Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 to chapter 4, verse 6. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you, that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Well, today we're going to continue with uh, the letter that we've been looking at uh, from Peter. His letter to the early Christians in northern Turkey. He's wanting to encourage them. He's wanting to help them understand that there is hope even in the midst of their suffering for following Jesus. He's asking them to live lives that would bring glory to God. Lives that are different and attractive to the people who are watching. People who seemed interested and intrigued by these early followers of Jesus. He's asking them to live their faith out, to live out their faith in such a way that would provoke questions from the people around. He's also saying to them, as he says in verse 15, when them questions comes, always be ready, always be prepared to give an answer to anybody that asks about the hope that you have. I was uh, thinking about a, a story when I was preparing this talk and I was thinking back to when I was at high school. There was a girl who had become a Christian and there's a group of girls that were really uh, making fun of this girl for attending church and believing what she believed. They would laugh at her and call her all sorts of names for being a Christian. They'd even bring a Bible in uh, from somewhere and they would stick the Bible in the girl's school bag and then pull it out and reveal it and try and embarrass the girl. This girl, in some ways, was being persecuted for believing in Jesus. Maybe not persecuted in the same way as the early Christians that we're reading about, but she was being mocked, humiliated, laughed at. 
And I remember one morning in a science class, the girls were doing the same thing. They were laughing at the girl. They'd brought the Bible in again. The Bible had been stuffed in the girl's bag. And it was just an, an awful situation. And for me, being a Christian, thinking, well, I believe them things, and I've kind of, I've kind of escaped the, the persecution here, the suffering here. They're not kind of doing that to me. I kind of felt really uncomfortable about it all. And as the science teacher began to talk about the different theories of how the world came into being, again, I, I felt kind of moved and motivated, inspired, sat sitting there uncomfortable about it all. Now, I didn't necessarily have a massive problem uh, about what he was saying. I quite like the line that says that we sing, all nature and science follow the sound of his voice, but that's for another talk. But what was bothering me was it felt hopeless. As he was talking about an accident, as he was talking about how the world kind of came to be, and there was just no acknowledgement of, of any God, any design, any fingerprints of God bringing that into being. And I found myself being really stirred to the point where I put my hand up in class, and I said, sir, uh, excuse me, sir, um, what about God in all of this? And the science teacher said, well, well this is a, it's a science class. It's not a, a religious education class. And, and then before he could finish his sentence, I found myself standing up in the middle of the classroom with all the classroom uh, just looking at me, all the classmates around me. And I was just standing up there. And then I remembered the Bible that the girls had brought in to laugh at the girl. And a little bit like a cowboy, in my mind it was a little bit like this anyway, a little bit like a cowboy walking into a bar in a Western movie. I requested that the Bible be slid down. It's a little bit like asking for a, a whiskey. And I said, can you pass me the Bible, please? And these girls got the Bible out and they slid it down the long table where we were sitting in rows. And then I stopped the Bible and I opened the Bible in the middle of the classroom. And I begin to read from Genesis and I said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was... And then I couldn't get any further. The science teacher told me to sit down and shut up, rightly so. Years later, I found myself being a Christian schools worker. And I returned back to the school that I'd been educated in. And this time I was standing up, not in front of a class, but in front of a whole year. And all the teachers as well. And as I scanned the assembly hall and I scanned across the teachers, I noticed the science teacher the very science teacher that had taught me and told me to sit down and, and be quiet. And now it was his turn to sit down and listen. And I was able to stand there and share the hope that I have in Jesus. The reason why I believe what I believe. And I took my time and talked really slowly and told my testimony in the assembly. A few years later, I was in New Zealand and I was thinking back about this and I was feeling bad. And I actually wrote the science teacher a letter, and I sent it to the school. And in the letter, I apologized for being an arrogant, annoying student that stood up in the middle of his class. But I also enclosed a book, a book called The Reason for God, from a scientific background, looking at God being involved, God being a creator God, and looking at all the science. And in the front of the book, I wrote out my testimony, the reason I believe in Jesus, the hope that I have in Jesus. When we look at this Bible passage that we've been looking at, Peter really is summarizing everything that he said in the previous chapters. He's saying, finally, he's basically saying, to conclude, my point is, and then he's saying, all of you, I want all of you to listen. So he's addressing 
the slaves, the free people, the masters, the wives, the, the unbelieving wives, the believing wives, the unbelieving husbands, the believing husbands. He's, he's grouping them all together and he's wanting to give them an important message. And he's wanting to say to them, in the midst of your suffering, and you may suffer, you may be persecuted for believing what you believe, for following Jesus. Even in the midst of that, there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. Jesus, the Spirit of God, is with you. That suffering isn't the end. That death itself isn't the end. That there's hope in the midst of all of this. There's a painting by an artist from South Africa that's just going to appear now on the screen. And it shows the cup that the suffering Christ accepts. The cup, the cup is actually held by God the Father. And it's magnified in size. You can see the suffering, the pain on God the Father's face. You can see the crucifixion that's happening, the suffering scene as Jesus is crucified between the two criminals. But you can also see in the midst of that painting that the spirit of consolation is hovering nearby. That little image of like a floating, hovering spirit. The spirit of consolation, it's hovering. Symbolizing the living hope symbolizing that death is not the end. And it's that hope that Peter is looking at in his letters. It's that hope that he's wanting to remind and point people towards, that despite all of this, despite persecution and suffering and hardship, that there is hope in the midst of it. He's wanting them to live out their lives despite it, in a way that brings glory to God. Their neighboring Christians who are watching and seeing how they live, but also people that don't believe, that don't follow Jesus. Gypsy Smith uh, once said this. He said, there's five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then there's you, the Christian. He says, most people never get round to reading the first four. See, Peter is assuming that the followers of Jesus will live their lives in such a way that even in persecution, even in suffering, that they will bring glory to God. And because of their lives, it'll speak a thousand words. They'll see it and it'll provoke questions for people. They'll be asking questions of them. They're saying, why do you have hope? What is it that you have that's different? When you read the commentaries on this letter, you see that they say that the weight falls on these three words, Always ready and anyone. Always be ready to give a reason to anybody who asks. People who don't believe, people who do believe, people at work, people in your family, work colleagues, family, friends. Give an account for the hope that you have. It's amazing going to the pastoral counseling um, at number 14. You see the word hope everywhere. They hold hope for people. People that are suffering, people that are struggling. I was recently asked by uh, a parent at the school gate, do people still attend church? Uh, and they'd obviously been along, I think they'd attended Bounce uh, as a parent, and they said, why do people attend P's and G's? And after I'd said, you know, there's great teaching uh, with Dave, there's great singing with Libby, there's a guy with a beard, and no, I didn't say any of that. But I was actually on a back foot, and I couldn't think, I wasn't prepared, I didn't have a reason. I was like, oh, why is it? God is really um, with us and, and that so many churches, even despite what's going on and, and, and not being able to gather and, and that being complicated, people still are hungry for God and churches are still able to survive and thrive. I wanted to be prepared. Now, I wonder what you would say if you had a work colleague, a friend, a neighbor ask you, why do you um, go to 
online services. Why do you believe in Jesus? What hope do you have? I wonder if you'd be prepared. I wonder if you'd be ready. I wonder if you would have an answer. What would you say to people that ask you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you follow Christ? Okay, we're going to do it now. I haven't given you much time to be, re- be ready or to be prepared. But just in the comments uh, to the side or below, why don't you just give a, a sentence, a line or a word, whatever it is. But what hope do you have? What reason do you have for believing and following Jesus? Add them there. And whilst you're adding a sentence or a reason why you believe in Jesus, the hope that you have, I'm going to finish with doing a little example Uh, of something that we did when I was a youth worker. Now, you could never do this these days. This is an absolute health and safety nightmare. Nate would never do this. We're in safe hands with Nate. Nate. But there was a time where people, youth leaders and youth workers, were quite pushy with wanting to get the young people to articulate why they believe what they believe. And they wanted it to do it. These days, it would be in a tweet. Could you tweet why you believe, the hope that you have? But there was this way of doing it, and basically they would say, okay, in a controlled environment with a piece of, with some water and and with an adult there, they would ask them to strike a match and they would hold the match and they would say, you need to articulate your testimony before the match gets to your fingers because you'll burn your fingers. Don't do this at home. Matches do burn and can cause fire. So I would have a go with the children, uh, the youth that I was involved in and I would say, this is your match here, this sort of little match, you haven't got long to do it and then I would say, this is how it's done. I produce a big, massive, um, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't do that, a massive match. But I'm going to have a go, and I'm going to finish, because we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to have a reason for the hope that we have for those who are asking. So here we go. The hope that I have. Well, I haven't been persecuted recently, but I've been suffering. It's been a difficult time these past couple of weeks. And I've seen time and time again, people who believe in Jesus, people who would call me a brother in Christ, gathering around me, praying for me, encouraging me. I've seen broken lives, messed up lives, being restored and redeemed by the love of Jesus. That's the hope that I have. Let me just pray. Maybe this is a time where you need to just fix your eyes on Jesus and I'm to search your heart. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you need hope, what areas of your life. So Lord, we just pray that you would come close. That Father, we do pray for the persecuted church, for those uh, in other countries, Lord, who really face in persecution. Father, be with them. We pray that you'd strengthen them, you'd help them. That Father, the persecution would stop. We pray for those who are suffering, Lord Jesus. That Father, they would know that they would know that they would know that you are with them that, Father, your hope would be very, very present. Lord God, we just pray that people would hold on to you. And, Father, in the midst of difficulty and a difficult, strange time that we find ourselves in, that, Father, we would live our lives in such a way that brings glory to God, like them early followers, that we would live our lives in such a way that, Father, people would ask questions of us. So, Father, just now, just anoint our lips Just touch our lips that we will be ready, prepared to have a reason for the hope that we have. Help us, Lord Jesus, to speak well of you on all occasions, in all seasons. Amen. Sorry, guys, that felt a bit long. Was that too long, Dave? Was that all right?
Am I going to get anybody saying we don't believe in evolution? <laughs> a guy, a, the guy who wrote that song got a whole backlash from America. Yeah. Good. So